when preachers get up and they share stuff, it's like they need all the help they can get. Mightn't look like it sometimes, but let me tell you, we do. <laughs> we, we are banking on the Holy Spirit. So the best thing that you can do right now is pray that God would like give him a load oh! of God's yeah. love and spirit <laughs> because he needs all the help he can get. <laughs> we all do when we lead and serve like that. <laughs> so just, just as an act of faith, just reach your hand out towards yeah. him. Father, we ask for your blessing, the blessing of your Holy Spirit just to be on, David, on Dad right now. We just say be filled. Mm. Be filled. And be just, just Holy Spirit, would you just guide the conversation that you want to come out right now, the teaching, the equipping, the worldview, that it might be a blessing to your people and your people would be built up, encouraged to go back out into the world this week as bearers of your good, good news and hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Kirk. Well, good morning, everybody. I don't know about you, but I'm really, 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 really excited right now because as I was listening to the words that were coming this morning when Kirk released that openness in the fellowship, I was just going, yes, yes, yes. They've read my notes. They've read my notes. It's, it's exciting when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you take it and you write it down and you prepare to come. And then when you come here, the Lord is preparing the hearts already to hear what he's put in your heart to share. So I'm counting on that this morning, that the Lord has already prepared your hearts and that you will receive what I believe God wants us to hear. The Lord this week has been really uh, impacting me with what's been going on in the Middle East. And I have a, a real passion for... Uh, the Jewish people, uh, having been blessed to go to Israel, and, and I, I was there the last time there were rockets being thrown into Israel, and I saw people scurrying for cover, and they, that's not getting a lot of report. The report is that the rockets going back are killing people. Well, there's a quick way to fix it. Stop throwing the rocks over the first way. But, you know, this, is, this seems to be defying the logic of, of most of the world right now. But so the Lord was talking to me about it, and then he said to me, in preparation for the, today, he said, I want you to speak about war and peace. And I said, war and peace? I've never read it, Lord. I said, Tolstoy wrote it. When I looked at that book, it was way too big for me to deal with, so I never, ever read it. The Lord said, not the Tolstoy war and peace, but war and peace is, a, is, is how we live. And it was very important that the Lord said, it's war and peace that go together. We like to think of war and we like to think of peace. After a war, we have peace. But that is not how it is in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, it is war and peace in one package, all of the time together. And what often we do is we feel like we've come into a place of peace. And so we relax. And guess what? We are fodder for the enemy's cannon when we do that. We line up to be shot at because the enemy does not ever declare a truce. The enemy will continue to fight and fight and fight for our souls because he knows how precious they are to God. And he does not want us to come into that place of whole communion with God. He wants to take us out of that relationship and destroy our living. 
Jesus came and said, I've come to give you life in all its fullness in John 10.10. He said, the enemy comes to rob, to steal and to destroy and to kill you. I've come to give you life in all its fullness. The absolute opposites, the darkness and the light. And you see, what the enemy does is his battle is a constant battle. So we are always at war. Can I get you to repeat after me? We are always at war. We are never without the battle. We are always in the battle with Jesus. Well, now that was a bit... We are always in the battle with Jesus. Yeah, and guess what? He's won. So therefore we are in the winning team. Got it? However, the war is always going on. And so when the Lord says, and I just love it, in the middle of my preparation, there were a number of scriptures that came up. And one of them, guess what? Wendy stood up and read it out this morning about peace. There was another one over here about the storm and peace in the storm. In the war is peace. Not separated from it, but in the war is peace. Now, I don't know about your lives, but my life has been an exciting journey and still is. I think I've got it all sorted and then the Lord says, let's do this. And you go, oh no, do I have to? And he says, you want to come with me? Come with me. And you go into the next adventure and the next journey and there's another war. And you go, Lord, another war. He says, yes, but guess what? We have the victory. And he changes it from a I have to we have the victory. And when you walk into the battle with the Lord, you will begin to catch it. You'll get the excitement about we have the victory. Even though to the world and all of the experiences that we might be walking through, it looks like we're being defeated. But let me assure you, if you're in with Jesus, you win. How do you win? Because peace comes. You see, one of the challenges that we face is that when we try to do life without being connected to Jesus, we are going to stumble because the enemy will keep working at us and pulling us away. With Jesus, he will still keep working at us and pulling us away, but Jesus picks us up again. We need not to be ignorant of the reality of the fact that we are in a battle. It's a war and peace package that we're in. When did this war and peace, when did this war begin? When did the battle begin? Well, guess what? It began in the garden. There was peace there. Man was in communion with God. It was good. And then what happened? The enemy came in and he declared war on us and he started to attack us. Now, what did he attack? He attacked the mind and the heart. The mind and the heart. They're the two battlegrounds that Satan comes after. And then the package that comes with that is our soul. So the garden was the beginning point of the battle. Paul tells us in Ephesians, in a letter to the churches, when you read Ephesians, you're reading a letter that's been written to a corporate audience. It's not to an individual. It's the church in Ephesus, but it's beyond that. It's to the church at large. And so Paul's writing to the church and he says, the battle is real and it involves the spirit realm of rulers and authorities and the powers of this dark world and those that rule in the heavenly places. 
So what we have there is a picture of a battle that operates in a number of spheres. We, we talk a bit about changing the atmosphere, it's language of the day. If you want, there are, according to scripture, and what I love about this is that you need to go away and read this to be sure about this, okay? There are three heavens, at least, that we know of, because Paul talks about that. And he says that, you know, there was this man that I knew that went up into the third heaven where he met with God. So God's in the third heaven. Just thought I'd add that little bit of the equation. The first heaven is this atmosphere around about us. There must be, therefore, one in the middle. Does that make sense? There's a first, a second and a third. Well, the first heaven is the one where we live in and where the battle is that we see around us. We call it our atmosphere or the heavenlies. But in the middle ground is where there's this other fight that's going on. Where the, where the principalities and powers are at work and at play. And if you read Daniel, you'll see in Daniel where there was a battle in the heavens. That wasn't happening in God's heaven because in God's heaven it's all okay. He rules and reigns and the saints are partying and the angels are, are celebrating. But then there's another layer of heaven where there's this fight going on all the time. In response to what we are asking for God and what he is wanting us to hear. So it's like we're fighting through a barrier. And then there's the world of the heaven around about us, which is where we get to actually engage. And that's where we speak to the darkness and we tell it to get away. We tell it to leave us alone. We have authority to do that as, as those that belong to Jesus. Are you hearing me? Good. I just wanted to check. So we have this authority in Christ Jesus to stand against the works of the enemy. Not only to stand against it, but to speak back to it and tell it to go away and leave us alone. And we have that within this realm. But then there's another battleground beyond that, which is where the heavy dudes play. Now we can call on Jesus' victory to have effect and power into that realm as well. We have authority for that too. But we don't get to fight in that realm. That's not our playground. Jesus has done it. He's dealt with it. We need to call on him to deal with it. Again, read Daniel and you'll see where there was, there was a battle in the heavens that God was seeing to by sending, in fact, in the end, another, an archangel in there to, to deal with the darkness. There was an angel in the fight, then God sent another one and sorted it out so that the message could come to Daniel. That's the kind of war that's going on all the time. So we say, okay, there's a war there, Lord, and it's battling. So... In, in, this, in this battle in heaven, we have the souls of men as its target. God's heart for us is freedom and life. Satan's heart for us is captivity and death. Don't ever get confused about that. People who want to worship Satan are worshipping captivity and death. People who are caught up in the lies of the darkness are embracing captivity and death for themselves and they don't see it. God wants freedom and life. You see, God is on about us enjoying him forever. Not having to live under some thumb. Being ready. Being ready is being in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, I am holy. We, we often get confused about this word holy. Let me make it really, really clear to you. The word holy means dedicated and devoted beyond anything else. 
So if I say I am holy in Jesus Christ, it means I am dedicated and devoted to Jesus Christ and that is what makes me holy. Not what I do, but my relationship with Jesus is what makes me holy. So the invitation this morning was to get right with Jesus and be ready for this war and peace. Are you hearing me? It's not about standing on the corner wearing a sign that says I'm holy and never swearing when you've got to get run over by a car. I mean, that's not necessarily, I'm not fostering swearing, but what I am saying is that that doesn't make you holy or unholy. What makes you holy or unholy is your relationship with Jesus. Absolutely, full stop, nothing else. Now, we can deny the reality of who we are in God's eyes by acting differently, okay? God says, David, you're holy, but you're not really acting like it today. Thankfully, he doesn't say that to me that often. But I have heard him say that. In John 14, 27, which was the scripture that Wendy read out this morning, this is what Jesus offers. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Note this, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus is saying there are two things that happens to our heart when we are not at peace. Our heart is troubled and we get afraid. So if you want peace, a peaceful heart in the middle of the storm, the, the only way that's going to come is by being connected to Jesus. And then our hearts stop being troubled and we stop being afraid. Sound like a good deal? I think so. So how do we get this, Lord? How do we get this package from you? Well, there's another scripture, Matthew 28. Sorry, Matthew 11, 28 to 30. We touched on this at Kinship through the week. Where Jesus says, now, okay, let me read it, then I'll talk about it. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened or heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and what we have to understand here is Jesus here is the rabbi he is teaching the people that have gathered around him for his teaching. What happened was rabbis got followings. Rabbis are seen as the people who have the knowledge of God, in, this is in the Jewish culture, and the, the people gather around a rabbi because they hear what he has to say and they go, there's life there. There's something there that I need to know more. So Jesus has got his people around him and he's saying, take my yoke, which is take my teaching upon you. Take what I'm sharing with you. Take what I'm telling you as the yoke of learning that you embrace for your life. That's what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, take my yoke upon you like a bullock's yoke that says, I'm now going to have to work hard at this. Different kind of yoke. You understanding the difference? For years, I thought I was a bullock in the team. When I put Jesus' yoke on, I'm going, okay, Lord, I'm here, I'm ready. Where do you want me to go? What fight do you want me to get into? What nation do you want me to win for you? That's not what it is. 
The yoke of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the invitation of Jesus is to take upon yourself his very self. And he explains it. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's not a religious package that I want you to have. That's what he was taking off them. About nine months ago, the Lord was speaking to me one morning and I was having a good time with him and then he said to me, David, I want to do something for you. I'm going, yeah, thanks, Lord. He said, I want to lovingly deconstruct all the things that you thought were right that aren't. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Lord. That's nice. How much have I got wrong? He said, I want to lovingly deconstruct all the things that you've held to be true and that you thought were right that aren't right. So the Lord's been doing that to me. And they're just little things here and there. But this is one of them, this whole yoke thing. He wanted me to forget the idea of it being a burden and realise that it's a lightness that comes from God. Religiously, I learnt that it was me stepping up to the plate and taking my place. That's not what that is. There's other times when Jesus says to do that, but that isn't what he's meaning when he says this. And so, the Lord says, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. Jesus also said, in answer to the leader's questions at the time, when they said, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, Have the Lord your God, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like unto it. Love your neighbour as yourself. Now Karen did a brilliant job last week of inviting us into that place of loving our neighbour as ourselves. I want to say that you really can't do that unless the first one's in place. She did say that, but I want to say it again. You can't love your neighbour unless you love God first. With all your heart. What's our mission statement say? It's written on the notices, just for a clue, if you forget it. It says, what's it say? Can somebody read it to me up the back there? It's written on the wall. That's it. The first and second commandments that Jesus said are the most important. Love God how? Wholeheartedly. Yes. Not just a bit. Love God wholeheartedly. Get excited about that opportunity, folks. It's an invitation as well as a command. You know, the commandments of God are not to make God feel good. They're to bring us to a place of freedom and life, what God wants for us. All of the commandments are meant to bring life to us. The enemies turned us around and said, oh, you know, this is going to make life restricting for you. Go and do this or go and try that. Just ignore those things. You know, live for yourself. Well, you know, I'm finite. I don't know about you. But God goes on, so I'd sooner live for him because that means there's a chance of eternal life. And that's what the invitation is from God. So we have these things starting to coalesce. Coalesce? Yeah. Come together. We have these pictures that Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And then he's saying, I'll give you peace that the world can't give you. And then he's saying, 
Love God with your whole heart. These aren't abstract, not part of the same recipe. These are all a part of how we are meant to be in a relationship with God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Now, why did Jesus say that? Because that's the enemy's playground. He goes for the heart, for the things that make us feel good. He goes for the mind, the things that help us to discern what we think we want or should have. The heart and the mind. And so what does Jesus say? Love God with all your heart. Then there's no room for the crap. Love God with all your mind so you don't let it be filled up with other stuff. And when you love God with your whole heart and your whole mind, guess what? Your soul comes along for the ride. <laughs> it doesn't want to, the soul doesn't have a mind of its own. Your mind is part of your soul. So your mind and your heart are the two areas of main target from the enemy. That's what he did in the garden. He went for their, their, their pride. It, pride is the enemy's big tool. You know, did God say that? So he started to question their mind's understanding. And then he said, you know, he just doesn't want you to know everything. Yeah, 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 God's not really all that for you. This is the lies that Satan told in the garden. So the war is real. But if Jesus says that the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments, the whole of the law and the prophets, everything that's been said. If he, as the saviour of the world, says that, then I think it's a fundamental key to life learning from Jesus. So the war goes on. Satan targets mind and heart. Get us to be prideful. Jesus gives us a way to deal with it. He says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Now, think about it also for a second. Heart soul, mind and strength. We have their physical health. We have their mental health. We have their emotional health. Just thought I'd drop that in. This commandment is for our sake. And it's not, you know, this is not some made up story. This has been exampled for us in the living person of Jesus Christ. If you don't believe that, then I'm sorry because you've missed it. A part of what we need to believe that we believe is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And Jesus Christ was a man walking the earth. And he showed us how living in this place of honouring God above all other things, that he was able to have peace in the middle of a storm. How else do you reckon Jesus could be on the cross in the middle of the storm where his life's being taken and he says, Father, forgive them. And he's worried about his mother with John. There was peace in Jesus' heart in the middle of that incredible pain and torment in that storm. Because he knew who he was and he knew he had a relationship with the Father that was not going to be interrupted by all this garbage that was going on around him. So, God's question for us today is, how's your heart? 
How's your mind? How's your soul? How's your heart? Is it aching? Is it yearning? Is it tortured? Or is it peace? How's your mind? Same question. Is your mind struggling with stuff? Is your soul tortured or at peace? We're a whole person. I heard, I was at a conference many, many years ago. I can say that because I'm old. And I was at this conference and it was a long time ago and I heard a, a Korean Christian speaking and he was talking about body, mind and spirit and he was keeping them in separate compartments. And that was an understanding that he had. But as, as Hebrew Christians, it's one, we are one. We are not separated compartments walking along holding hands with ourselves. We are one. And so body, mind or our heart and our mind is, is all a part of who we are and it affects the rest of us. So if we've got a sick heart, guess what? We get sick. We get sick. If our heart's sick, we get sick. Who can, who can testify to that? You have a sick heart, you can get sick. If you've got a tormented mind, what happens? You get sick. You, yeah, yeah, it can drive you nuts. There are people that can testify to that. And so the whole person is who Jesus wants to look after. The Father wants to look after all of us, not just bits of it. When we ask the Lord for words of knowledge for healing in the body, he heals the body, but he also wants to heal the heart and the spirit at the same time. He wants to say, it's me touching that leg that's sore. I just want you to know that I love you. That's what happens with healing. We're a whole person. This battle, this war is constant and constantly changing shape. I'm running through this fairly quickly because we've got a lunch to go to for the new people. The shape of, the, of the, the battle in the garden is different from the shape today. And so there's a different breach process that the enemy uses today to breach the wall of our decision. So we make a decision, I want to love God wholeheartedly. And I'm willing to do that. Now when I was a boy, I could do that more easily than the young people can today. Do you know why? There was no television and no internet. Hmm. So I didn't have the distractions or the time attention that those things demand. Oops. <laughs> that wasn't having a go at anybody. It's just how it is. So where is my mind in the war for its attention? Is it with God's book or with Facebook? How much time a day do we spend in God's book? How much time a day do we spend in Facebook? Oh yeah, as charged. But that's how the enemy gets in, folks. It's as subtle as that. He didn't have that tool 20 years ago. It's a new tool that the enemy uses to take our mind away from being holy. Now, Facebook can help you get connected to God. I confess that is a truth. So not all Facebook is bad, okay? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is where our heart and our mind is tells the story of how much we truly want to be wholehearted towards Jesus and the backwash of that is more peace or less peace. That's an equation for those of you that like equations. So, how much of my heart is spent on God's stuff? How much of my money 
how much of my mind, time, etc. It's easy to do a quick personal review, but also it applies to us corporately, folks, as a church, as this part of the church. All of us are being challenged, I believe, in this day to be alert even more because the enemy has always is always coming up with new plans. If you look at Israel right now, one of their biggest challenges is finding the tunnels that have been tunneled into there from Gaza. Now that's a warfare that didn't happen back a time ago. It's a new way the enemy is found to want to get inside the camp. Another way, another warfare model. Need to be alert. So, I don't know about you, but I like to try and connect the dots on these things. If we can love God wholeheartedly, then QED, we can find peace, because that's what Jesus promises, in the middle of the war. It's not that hard, really, is it? When you stop and think about it like that. When you look at all the distress and the disturbance in your life, you know, I got this problem, I got that problem, I got this problem, I got that problem. I'll, I'll share a story with you. Some of my grandchildren are here today. When I first got to hold my... Hey, Dan, you got a sec? Can you whip up here for a minute? I'm not going to embarrass you. Come on. Please, please, come on. I just want to show people how big you are beside me now. Come on. <clears throat> I'll come here. Look at, look, look at, look at this. <laughs> He's taller than me now. Now, when, when he was nine months old, I could hold him in my arms. <laughs> now I can't. <laughs> now I can't. But when he was nine months old, God spoke to me and said, David, I want you to pray a blessing on Daniel. He said, I want you to bless him. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll bless him. I'll bless him with life and I'll bless him with this and I'll bless him with that. And then I realized, you know, we all have struggles in life. Dan has a few with assignments occasionally. And it's like, it'd be really good if they went away. <laughs> yeah. However, they won't go away because they have to be done. But the Lord said to me, bless him. And then I realized the blessing that I could proclaim over Dan that God had in his heart. And for each of my grandchildren, I've done it since. I actually backtracked with Caitlin because I hadn't been smart enough at the time or God hadn't told me. Was to bless them that they would know God. The rest is up to them. And you do. Good on you, mate. Thanks, Dan. Give him a clap. <laughs> uh, that was in no way meant to embarrass him. It was totally meant to show how big he's got. But the point I'm making is that all of the things that we think are important that might make life work, at the end of the day, as I was looking desperately to God's heart to know how to pray a blessing on my grandson, it came down to, Lord, that he would learn to know you, that he would know you. That takes care of all the rest. That's what this message is this morning, that we would know God. The Jesus way. So when you look at Ephesians, we see the, the battle is raging. Paul writes that letter there and he says, there's a battle on and you're in it and it ain't going to go away. And what he says is, put on the whole armour of God. For our struggles not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, the things that we are in this heaven, and then 
all forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So that's where the battle is, and that's what the battle is. And so there's a, there's a point that we sometimes miss at the end of the, what we call the, the, um, um, the armour of God. It says at the end, after we put on all the armour and the sword and the things and what's it, it says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep on praying. Got it? That's it. Be alert and keep on praying. Keep seeking the Lord. The, the actual, um, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That word sometimes we see, our battle is not, our struggle is not, but it's, it's actually a hand-to-hand -hand wrestling is what it points to in the, in the original language, so I'm told. Not being a student of Greek, but when you read about it, that's, people describe it as being, it's like a, a, a wrestle. Now, if you're a wrestle with, in a wrestle with someone and you relax, you're gone. They win straight away. They got you pinned. So it's a constant struggle in the spirit, not in the natural. And Paul's reminding us that the way to deal with that is in prayer. So, you won't find peace by trying to avoid the battle, my friends. The war is real and hiding from it doesn't work. What in fact it does if you try to hide is it breeds fear in you. Because you back away, you back away, you back away, you back away and then you're more fearful about getting into the front line. Does that make sense? Has anybody experienced that? I have at different times of my life. You see, I didn't know about this stuff for the first 20 years I was a Christian. Nobody taught me about spiritual warfare. I was taught about how to be good. That didn't work. But when I understood there was a battle that I was in a war, it started to make sense to me. But then I didn't know how to deal with the war until I got to this place of going, uh-huh, this is an aha uh -huh moment for me. Where Jesus says, I'll get peace into your heart if you will but love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Then all these things will come. Then you'll find peace in this. It doesn't matter whether you've got any money. It doesn't matter whether your health is even shot to ribbons. But hold on to your desire in your heart to want to be in communion with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Then peace comes in the storm. Does that sound reasonable? Is that a reasonably logical conclusion to the things that the Lord has presented to us? I hope so because it's really really important fear leads us into a place of bondage with the enemy and life drains away freedom and life comes when we stand with Jesus that is life in all its fullness I know which one I want how about you this morning I felt like the Lord wanted to help us understand that spiritual warfare is not an option, folks. <laughs> spiritual warfare is on all the time. Now we don't talk about it all the time because we want to focus on the victor. We want to focus on Jesus and his victory. But at the same time, his victory over what? His victory over Satan's plans to destroy the people of Jesus. 
And so that's the battle. It's on, it's real, and we're in it. But we are on the winning side and we are able, by continuing to want to let our whole hearts be taken up with a picture of who God is and Jesus is and the Holy Spirit is, we are then in a place of peace in the storm. I've lived in storms most of my life, asked Carol. She reckons I create most of them, but I don't really. Just a few. But being in them is kind of... You know, after you've been in a few, you think you've discovered them all, but then the enemy finds another way to bring another one at you. And you've got to go, hang on a minute, I know who I am in Jesus Christ. This is not going to win. I can't win. I've tried. In fact, what the Lord has told me, and this is just a bit of personal testimony to finish with. The Lord told me I'd had a very, my life has been very full and very worldly-wise successful over years. It's been, everything I put my hand to worked and it, I, I had good outcomes at school in business in our own business and then it all started to go south uh, business-wise and financially it all went really south I'm going Lord this doesn't really equate to your kingdom and the Lord didn't answer me very much he just sort of was almost like he shrugged his shoulders and let me sort of dangle there you know come on Lord what's going on he just sort of went and so I'm going, Lord, what, what's happening here? And then I realised, as part of this loving deconstruction, I realised that I measured my okayness with God according to my financial comfort. Because if God loves me, he's going to give me all these good things. Make sense? That's how I sort of measured that I was okay with God. I was okay with God because he kept making me successful. I must have been okay with God. But what the Lord has shown me is that that's the rubbish that stops with this world. It's not the eternal value. The eternal value is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and the second commandment is unto it, loving your neighbour as yourself. That's where life is. That's where the favour of God is. Now I'm not suggesting that we all give all our money away and... That, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is if your circumstances want to challenge you, it's the enemy using your understanding of the world's measurements to determine who you are rather than accept the truth of who you are in Jesus Christ and hang on to what Jesus invites us into. So I'm excited about my future. I'm excited about the future of this church. Because the Lord spoke this morning and he'd said to me as I was writing the message, this is a new season. <laughs> and the power of the Holy Spirit as we choose to walk in our mission statement is going to be released in this place like you haven't seen before. There is a big move of the Spirit coming. And it's going to come because we are choosing to put our hearts focused to God. Not because we've got better plans than the guys down the road or not because we think we're smarter or not because we've got a bigger bank account but because we're choosing life and choosing to give our hearts wholeheartedly to the Father. So, watch this space, folks. Watch this space. The space in your heart, the space in your mind. Watch it. Care for it. 
be aware of the enemy's plans to want to steal your heart and your mind away from the focus of Jesus and the focus of the Father. Because that's what he wants to do. But if you choose to say, I want to give my heart fully to Jesus and I want to be in this wholehearted relationship with God, the Holy Spirit will bring his power to that and cause you to be living in that space. Going to be without problems thereafter? Absolutely not. Going to be in the storm? Absolutely. The war continues, but there's peace in the war. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. There was a, a, a word spoken over the church from up the back this morning, and, and Kirk embraced that as the, as the person responsible for the fellowship. So I, I, I just want to offer an invitation to step fully into that. And also at the same time, there's an invitation if in this war you've been wounded. God doesn't want you to stay wounded. He wants to heal you. If your mind has been attacked, if your heart sick, if your body isn't good, there's words of knowledge here, but... I just want to open it up to everything this morning that you would come and receive a touch from the Holy Spirit who's here to heal you. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you knew about this battle before it began and you prepared the antidote. You prepared the healing. And Lord, you've said it's really really simple that if we give our hearts and minds wholly to you and that we would choose to love you with all our hearts and minds and not be double-minded lord that then we will find peace wow what an offer so lord as we each one this morning stand before you lord you know our hearts it's not my place to know everybody's heart, but you do know our hearts. And Lord, where our hearts haven't been wholehearted, have mercy upon us, Lord. Receive us afresh as wholehearted responders to your love today, Lord. And for each one that would do that, Lord, would you cause our minds to follow our hearts into a place of peace and desiring to be spending time with you rather than with other things that might be bright and shiny. Lord, thank you for your goodness towards us. We love you, Lord, with all our hearts. And we thank you that you are a good God who is faithful 